Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Finance First podcast brought to you by and for Agents of Fortune. I am your host, Davis Vassanella, and I'm super excited to get into today's topics. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to release some of my hottest picks right now. But first, um, I'd just like to wish everyone a happy and safe St. Patrick's Day weekend. And I encourage everyone to hold your friends and family accountable to being safe and making sure they make lots of smart decisions this weekend, like listening to this podcast. So, uh, great. So now that uh, I got that out of the way, uh, let's get right into our main topics today that are going to encompass three primary topics. And then my fourth topic, which is kind of a semi-topic, is going to be all about the picks that I have lined up for you guys. And I'm going to talk a little about a little bit about those picks as well as how I think they can fit into your portfolio. So uh, the first topic is going to be about what brokerage firm should you, you should you be using? Now, brokerage firm is a clearing firm that you have to have in order to make stock transactions. So we're going to talk a little bit about what goes into selecting that process. Um, the second topic is going to be about what kind of stocks should you be investing in? So basically what is the process that you should be using to determine what stock you're going to be investing in versus other stocks that you think you should be investing in. And the third topic is going to be about how to harvest losses for tax purposes. And I think that last topic is going to be really, really important because not a lot of people our age are very familiar with taxes and more so how do you harvest your taxes to make sure that you're not paying more than you should be. And uh, one of the catchphrases that I've been trying to coin, per se, is that a dollar saved is a dollar made. And it's a factual statement. Every dollar that you save is a dollar less that you gave someone else. So if you're looking at it from, you know, a profit standpoint, I mean, it's pretty, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, you save money then that's money that you have to invest. So that's what's going to be our third topic today. And then I'll have some closing statements that is pertaining to things that I'm going to be working on coming up in the future. So uh, let's start right with our first topic that has to do with, what. It, firstly, what is a brokerage firm? And how do I go about selecting the brokerage firm that I want to use? So a brokerage firm or a broker-dealer is an organization that is a clearinghouse, or rather they have a sub-clearinghouse underneath them. That means that all of your transactions goes through them as a broker-dealer. They are the broker, and they're brokering you stocks from an exchange. So when you have to, when you're going to invest, and you're going to be investing in stocks, or ETFs, or mutual funds, or really anything, you have to go through a brokerage firm. Now, there's a lot of different kinds of brokerage firms out there that have a lot of different incentives and structures that can be more beneficial to some people versus other people. Now, if you're doing what I do, and what I like to do is I'm a very active investor. I don't do what I don't do day trading per se, but I am active enough that I can make, you know, two or three transactions in my account in one day on the buy and sell side. So if you consider that day trading, then sure. But my purpose in my rebalancing is more to get profits where I can and you know reallocate the cash into new positions when I want to. But sometimes it's the same posi- position. 
And that's when this becomes relevant is that if you go to, so an example of a broker dealer would be like a Fidelity. I'm sure many of you have probably heard about Fidelity or are familiar with Fidelity. Another, uh, another example would be uh, like a TD Ameritrade would be another example or um, uh, what's another example? Uh, Robinhood. Robinhood has become very popular in recent uh, months. Uh, they had an article on Yahoo Finance and I think a lot of people started to get more involved in Robinhood as they saw the incentives. Now, which one do I use? We'll get to that in a minute. But the importance is that all of these broker-dealers have what they call ticket charges. Now, a ticket charge is the amount that you as an investor are paying the broker-dealer to make the to broker the transaction between you and them to get you your stock. So, you can look at a brokerage fee as a fee, it's a flat fee, so if you're making a um if you're making like a 30 stock transaction, you get charged one flat fee. However, sometimes what these broker companies will do is is they'll make it to where if you char if you want to get, you know, 100 shares, we'll say hypothetically of a company, after a certain level of, uh, you know, we'll call it default shares that you can purchase, they may charge you, you know, a certain amount of cents on a dollar for every share that you're getting. Now, you know, at our level, we're not buying a whole a whole heck of a lot of shares, so that becomes not as big of a concern. But if you're paying 4.95 a share and you're wanting to go and make multiple transactions in a certain position in one day, like I do. Uh, it can run up a pretty high, you know, cost to you. So, you know, if we're if we're thinking, you know, we want to save money. I want to save money because that's money I can be using to invest. Then you want to find the most cost appreciative, you know, or cost effective to you strategy that you can use to get yourself involved in a way that's going to be meaningful. Now, for example, uh, Robinhood does commission free trading. Now, I have multiple brokerage accounts that I hold because I use each one for a different purpose. I have a broker dealer with the company or I have a account with the broker dealer that I that I work with and the reason why I have that is because I do leveraged options trading in that account whereas I cannot do that in my Robinhood account. So they serve an entirely different purpose to me as an investor. Now where I can see Robinhood being useful for a lot of you guys is because it's commission free. And if you wanted to say, you know, um, I want to get out, say the market is really up, you know, it's up 300 points at the open, but it's, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and you know, you know, the the writing is on the wall that it might not be up 300 points and it might even be down in the afternoon. So what you're going to do is you're going to say to yourself, assuming that this is what you think, and you're going to sell into the highs, which goes, you know, back to our original thought process. You're going to sell into the highs and then you're going to take your money and you may say to yourself, you know, I like this company, but it was just too pricey for me at this level. I want to get in and I want to get in at a lower level. So then you're going to take the money from your proceeds. The stock will pull back in the afternoon and you might on that very same day, go back into the same exact stock you sold out of in the morning, but at a better price, or at least a price that you know you're comfortable working with. Now, if you were to do that at a fidelity or you know even some brokerage firms will cap you on the amount of transactions that you can make in a week or a month or you know however many you know sometimes they'll charge you per transaction you know as most companies do so 
Where that becomes important to you is, is that you want to say, okay, well, if I'm going to be doing a lot of active trading, if I'm going to be doing a lot of buying and a lot of selling on a daily basis, I want to make sure I have two boxes checked. I don't want to be paying an exuberant amount of money on fees because that's money that, frankly, you're just paying out to nobody that, that benefits you. So what you want to do is you want to try to get a broker-dealer where you get as low, if not as low, you will get no transaction fees associated with your account. Now, like I said, Robinhood is an example of a company or a broker-dealer that does not charge you to, you know, per your transaction. Now, what they'll do is, is they charge you an annual account maintenance fee, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of like $50, which is, you know, absolutely remedial in comparison to how much you're going to be making or saving rather if you're pretty actively investing. So that's a good example of a company that I would look at. It's very good for beginners. It's very user friendly. And it gives you enough pertinent information to make good decisions. I mean, you can't really go into the complicated side of things like options transactions or leverage calls or leverage puts, but you're not really, you know, most of you aren't really got, haven't really gotten far enough along to that level to where that becomes relevant to you guys. So um, if you guys are interested in getting involved with Robinhood, I can, um, what I can do is, is I'm going to post a link in the description of this video and when you click that link it'll redirect you to the app in the app store you know whether you're on android or on or on uh, your iphone or wherever you're listening to this it's going to redirect you to wherever you can find that app you know associated with you know it's the Robinhood app and what you're going to do is is that when you sign up through Robinhood using the link that i post what happens is when your account gets approved not only do you get a free stock because you you know you did it through my re referral link, but I get a free stock too. So we both get a free stock, and the way that the free stock is given to you is that the stock can be worth anywhere between two dollars, you know, a pretty small amount, to the size of an Apple stock, which is two hundred dollars. Now, obviously, the odds are positioned in a way that you don't get as much of a probability of landing one of those very high, you know, stocks. But I, I have heard of people getting an Apple stock, so it's not like it's, you know, impossible. But the, what it does is they'll give you three little cards with question marks on them, and you pick a card, and then you scratch it off, and you get your stock. And that's how you get your free stock. It's a pretty cool system. Um, it's a good way to get a free stock. And, you know, the way I look at it is, is that, you know, worst case scenario, you get a $5 stock, like a like a Sprint or a or a Fit or a Zynga or something. You go you go sell it and just go buy yourself a drink or go buy yourself, you know, a sandwich or something, lunch. You know, it doesn't matter. It's The world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want with it, okay? So that's what I would recommend on the brokerage side, probably starting with Robinhood. And then if you ever need to get into some advanced topics, uh, you know, feel free to see me. And I, as far as I understand, I don't think that there's a investing limit in terms of how many transactions you can make in your Robinhood account. I've made, you know, up to 50 transactions in a week. So that's a pretty, you know, lofty number. I don't, you know, if I don't think if it's, I don't think any of you guys are going to be making 50 transactions in a week. But if you do, then, and you make more than I do, then, and you ever reach that limit, please let me know. But I don't think that that's a problem. Okay, so moving on to our next segment, um, we're going to talk about what kind of stock should you be investing in? And this is a pretty cool topic because this is where I've gotten a lot of motivation from my friends when they've come to me and they've asked me about, oh, should I be looking at this stock? Should I be looking at this company or this industry? And prior to them telling me about it, I've never really thought about it. 
Um, an example would be one of my close friends from high school the other, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, I'm really looking into uh, water companies, you know, water uh, utility companies. And, you know, I thought about it for a second. I said, you know what, man? I really don't know anything about water companies. I'm going to have to go check it out for you, and I'll get back to you. But it was really cool because it was new. It was different. And through my, you know, research to go try to get him information, I realized that there's a lot of really good water companies out there, water utility companies. So I thought that was really cool. And that's kind of the basis of this conversation is, is that from an investing standpoint, you want to invest in companies that aren't just going to make you money. You want to invest in companies that more or less are companies that you believe in from a fundamental standpoint. So, what I re- what that really means is is that if you're you know if you're a you know a green person, if you're an environmentalist, if you're someone that doesn't believe in fossil fuels or doesn't believe in fracking or you know or offshore drilling then you should not be investing in the oil or you know the shipping or any of that sector because that's not something that you believe in it's hard to hold a company you know unbiasedly and say to yourself oh you know i don't you know i don't like what this company does but i like that they make me money if you can get past that then sure you know power to the people but for most typical investors it's hard for someone to invest in something that they don't believe in so there's a lot of really good solar companies out there. There's a lot of good, you know, hydroelectric and wind power. And, you know, it's not, you're not so restrictive that you can't invest in things that are, you know, outside your realm of interest. But generally speaking, it would be to your best practice to be looking at companies that you're familiar with, things that you think, you know, I like this company a lot and I think that it's going to be going places, then why don't you check it out? And I don't think you should base your decision solely off you, I like this company or I don't like this company because that's not what I do at all. You got to look at the earnings. You got to look at the, you know, the price, where what it's been doing in the last six months, the last three months, the last year, the last month. You know, you need to have different, you know, determining factors that help you, you know, figure out what you're going to be doing. So, um, what I'd like to do is, is I like to take, I'll go on Yahoo Finance and I'll take the position that I'm looking at and I'll put it into a way where I'm looking at it from a very outside looking in standpoint. So what that means is, is that I'm going to be taking this company and I'll be looking at a one week chart. I'm going to look at a month long chart. I'm going to look at a three month chart and a year chart. And I'm going to get a really good idea on whether there's any, you know, cyclic, uh, cyclic uh, I can't even say the word, whether it's on a cycle of, you know, and where it or it'll pay a dividend and the price will go up a lot. And then immediately after it'll go straight down because there has to be an adjustment of the price of the dividend and usually give some plus that. So, you know, when you're looking at that, you want to say to yourself, you know, I want to invest in something at the right time. So I don't want to invest in it when it's high. I want to invest in it when it's low or in the mid, you know, the middle of its 52-week high, but when it has some momentum. I mean, you want to make sure that, you know, you're investing in something that's on the up and up. And where I wanted to, you know, talk about on this, you know, at this part of this topic was that there is different stages of acceptance or acceptability in different levels of, you know, technology, uh, sensors, you know, all sorts of different things that are new or on the up and coming. An example would be blockchain. Blockchain is a new technology that was very much popularized by cryptocurrency. Now, blockchain, however, has many different applications from a coding standpoint, from a security standpoint, a peer-to-peer 
information delivery that becomes very useful to a lot of different companies in a lot of different sectors. So what these companies are going to be doing is, is they're going to try to make this blockchain technology into a way that is more widely accepted. Prior to this podcast, I would reckon that most of you probably have not heard of blockchain. So blockchain and blockchain technology are, uh, you know, something that you're going to want to get yourself familiarized with because this is an example of of a type of technology that is going through its acceptance phase. It is going from an invention phase where they're working on it, where it had some kinks in it, but they're working them out into a phase where now it's being rolled out into a lot of these different companies. And at some point, you know, like for example, I just saw that a shipping company just started using blockchain for their order deliveries. Now, who knows, maybe in six months, this company is going to come to a determination that blockchain helped them profit by 20%. What's going to happen then is that all these other shipping companies are going to say, hey, now we need blockchain technology because this company just profited a lot off it. So then they're going to rush in and then it becomes known as an acceptance phase. It is the phase where the companies and the uh, you know the profitability is in its largest and highest growth phase. So you want to be ahead of the acceptance phase. And there's a little bit of risk in that from the standpoint that there's a cream of the crop that has not yet risen yet in a lot of these companies in the invention phase because the profitability of these companies is very low. They might be a company that started in a different industry and now they're in a new industry and they have to go out and hire new employees and get new machines and make it to where, you know, they're not they're having to run up the expenses, but their goals are long term. So, you have to keep an eye on these companies and know which ones are getting closer to the acceptance phase and which ones are ahead of that and which ones are behind it. And I think the two companies that I'm going to be talking about at the end of this, and there's a third company too, but the two main companies really do a good job of, you know, striking that chord where, you know, you're going to feel like they are doing things in a proactive way that position you as an investor to be ahead of the acceptance curve. So, that where this company might look and where you might say to yourself, oh, you know, this is pretty high in the 52-week chart, this is just the tip of the iceberg because there's so much untapped potential in these companies that comes after the fact, that comes later on and in, a, and in the acceptance phase, that what looks like expensive at 22 or 23 is mere peanuts compared to what it will be at in the acceptance phase when it gets up to 55, 60. And then if you hold it all the way through there, you know, you're going to feel like you're the smartest person in the world. But you have to know about it. You have to be proactive in your approach on it. So that's, you know, that's really important. And that's something that I really want to help emphasize to you guys. And I can't really yet take my uh take charts and take different things to where I can show you you know this is where you should be getting in at and point at you know this specific date but like I've always said I I would like to maintain the position that you guys can always come to me personally and you know DM me on Twitter or if you have my number text me and I'll send you the the information that I've deemed to be pertinent and I will explain to you the significance behind 50-day moving averages, 10-day moving averages, 100-day moving averages, you know, uh, earnings reports, uh, price to earnings, beta. Uh, there's so many different things that go into this on an advanced level, but 
there's so much of it that I cannot teach to you unless I am, you know, showing you in a way that is physical or illustrated. So I'm working on different capabilities to do that, and I hope to be able to get that information out to you guys. But like I said before, feel free to reach out to me, and I will be able to get the information in your guys' hands in a way that, you know, you can see from a first-hand basis what it is I'm talking about, okay? So going into the third and final topic before I get into my stock picks is how to harvest losses for tax purposes. Now, I'm sure a lot of you guys don't prioritize taxes right now or feel like, you know, I'm 20 or I'm 21 or I'm 19 or whatever age you are, you know, I don't need to be worrying about taxes because I only make, you know, uh, 25000 or 20000 or 15000 or 30000 or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you guys have a pretty broad range of income. So, but the, the conversation is the same though because what you're saving at the 15000 range is proportional to what you'd be saving at the $40,000 range is that a saving is a saving. Now, you might deem it to be more important at a different income bracket than at a you know, larger income bracket per se, but the topic is still the same that you want to save money. You want to make sure that the money that you would be investing is being saved in a way that you can reinvest it and in turn make more money that you can save again. Now, what this really revolves around of how to harvest your losses is that we're not going to be right 100% of the time. And the important thing other than that you have to be right more than you're wrong is is that you have to find a way to find a silver lining in your losses. Now, what that can be uh, exemplified in a way that you know, you learn from your mistakes, maybe you got in a little too high and you say, drat, you know, I could have gone in a little bit later or a little bit sooner and I could have got a better price. That's one way of, you know, from a, from a, uh, you know, a mental capital standpoint, you want to make sure that you're learning from the, you know, the many mistakes that you will make in your life from an investing standpoint. However, there's a real monetary way to, to make money using what I'm saying by saving money and making money is that when you make money on your on your investments and you you know you uh you sell your position to realize your profit those are called realized capital gains and those are taxable income or it is deemed under taxable income so that is a level of you know whatever say you make fifteen hundred dollars that $1,500 is 100% taxable. Now, you do not want to pay taxes on your on your proceeds. You don't want to do that. So there's a way to fix that problem. And what it is, is you harvest your tax losses. So you keep a tally or a track of all of the realized losses. Every time that you bought a position and it went down and you sold out of it and you, and you took a $20, $50 loss, now that's $50 that you can write or you can use as a deduction against your $50 that you made money on. So if uh, a good example would be this, okay? So say you have two positions. One goes up, one goes down. You sell one at a $100 realized capital gain. You sell the other one at a $50 cap, uh, you know, uh, realized loss, capital loss. What you're going to do is is you're going to take that $50 that you lost on a realized loss and you're going to take it and deduct it against your $100. So what happens then is that you get 50 of that $100 tax-free because you deducted the other $50 against it and then you get the other $50 is taxable. 
It's like, okay, well, now you're only getting taxed on $50 instead of $100, and 50, half of your $100 is totally tax-free to you. And I mean, that's money saved. I mean, you save, you know, seven, eight dollars on that, on that alone. So the seven, eight dollars that you have in your pocket to go invest on your next transaction to go make more money off of, instead of giving it to Uncle Sam or the IRS or, you know, whoever that's going to be getting that money. Okay. So that's pretty important. And that's, you know, I can help you guys try to figure out, you know, or you can go to a CPA or any, you know, I don't, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably do your own taxes. So you probably use like a, like a TurboTax or a, uh, or I don't remember what the other one's called. Um, but you can go to like a Liberty tax or something like that. And you need to be able to know how that fits into their software because you're going to be doing it yourself. I'm assuming I go to a CPA to have them do my taxes and they charge me pretty inexpensively for it. But um, I, that's the best way to do it because they can really show you how to, you know, itemize, to do itemized deductions and to do things that save you the most money on your taxes on an annual basis. So in turn, the money that you're saving on your taxes is money that you technically make because you're not giving it to the IRS. So that's the, that's the whole point of that topic, really. And like I said, I can help you guys a little more on how to figure that out later on. And uh, yeah, so... Let's go right into the last topic, and it's not really a topic, it's more of a conversation that I want to have with you guys and something that I think you have been looking for, and it's the three uh, three that I'm going to be introducing, stock picks that I want you guys to check out, or rather add to your watch list. Now, if you guys want to invest in these companies, I, I encourage you to do that, but I would also encourage you to look at the timing of your investment, look at what's going on in the news surrounding that sector, and I want you to make an educated decision and just know that these are companies that I've been researching, I've been following some of them for as long as half a year, some of them I've been following for about a month, but they're strong companies, I wouldn't be talking about them if I didn't believe that they could give you significant returns, and if you do what I'm telling you to do, you can see pretty clearly how these companies can benefit you. Now, the first company I want to start with is called, the symbol is HPQ. Now, this company is called Hewlett Packard Corporate, we'll call it, because the Q is, uh, is kind of irrelevant to that. But I'm sure many of you have heard of HP, Hewlett Packard. They make printers, they make you know copiers, they have uh, iCloud, you know, um, different types of software. Now, this company is a phenomenal company because they are doing all the right things to be ahead of the acceptance phase. They have developed and rolled out a whole different sister company that I'm going to talk about in a minute that is entirely focused on cloud software and blockchain. And I think that's, you know, a very proactive and healthy approach because they have the the capital resources to not put themselves in the hole immediately to get started on this. They're a large company and they can afford to, you know, back up the projects that they're going after and they're and they're going after it in a very aggressive way. So I want you guys to look up HPQ. The price is going for about $23, uh, maybe $23 and some change, $40. And this stock has run up about 13%, I believe, in the last month. And I got in about, I'll say, uh, three weeks ago, I think. And I've already chugged out about $75 in gains on this one position. I think it's great. I think that uh, it's pretty low volatility. It does really well on down days. So you could go and look and say, oh, you know, the whole index in the NASDAQ is down and this company will be up. That I like a lot because it gives you 
less buying opportunities, but it also makes you not want to knee-jerk yourself out of it whenever there's a negative, broad-based reaction that's going on all around it. You want to be smart about how you buy and sell on this company. So this is an example of a company that I think can go into the 30s, it can go into the 40s, but it has not really reached its full potential yet. It's still very inexpensive for our purposes. I'd like to see it go down to about 22, 21 before I get back involved with it, but I do hold some of it right now, and uh, I'm just waiting for the perfect time to sell, and I think it's going to be going up, and I think I'm going to be getting that, that time pretty shortly here on one of these next updates within the next week or two. I think that you know you don't want to miss out on this, but on the same side, I think that this company isn't invincible. It's not a you know it's not a max profit machine. So you need to be smart about when you get in because you could definitely peek out on it for the short term and then feel like you kind of cheated yourself because you know other people got in lower and you got in higher. So I think you need to pay attention to that. And but that's pretty important for that position. And I encourage you all to go on Yahoo Finance, look up the company HPQ, and then look at a one-month chart and kind of see what it's been doing in the period of time that I'm monitoring it. And I think you'll see it's a very healthy company. They just beat earnings this last you know couple of weeks, and I expect them to beat earnings again. So that's really good, and that's really positive. And I see that 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 spectrum growing. I see it. You know, I I see the monetary incentive to get involved with this company. Now. All of those things that I just said are true for the sister company of Hewlett Packard. And this company is called HPE. It's Hewlett Packard Enterprise. And it is the it is the arm of Hewlett Packard that focuses entirely on blockchain and cloud software. Now for all you analytical people and all you people who love, you know, blockchain, they love software, they love cryptocurrency, they love all the things associated with what makes millennials the very complex generation that we are, is that you will love this company. Now, Hewlett Packard Enterprise goes for about 1870 right now. Um, I bought it a couple months ago at around $16 I think it was when I got in, wrote it up to 20 dumped it all, and I felt great about it. And all I've seen since then, I also hold some of this company currently, is I've seen plenty of buying opportunities on little short-term pullbacks that in turn have garnished it a lot more volume on this company. I mean, it chugs out about 3 million daily volume. I mean, that's a lot for a company that I would wager most of you have never heard of. So uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise is a smaller company than Hewlett Packard. Like I said, it's just a it's an arm of Hewlett Packard, we'll call it, and they're very much forward thinking and they are are what are garnishing a lot of the assets and a lot of the revenue from the re, from the R&D department, research and development department of Hewlett Packard is being redirected into Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Now this enterprise company has the position to go out and do what most big companies do where they where they find a tech company or a software company that is on the up and up, they'll go in and they'll take their assets and they'll buy that company. That's what an enterprise company really does. So it's not as much about what they themselves are developing as much as it is about what they themselves have the power to acquisition or merge into to become a larger, much more you know renowned and uh, influential company within their prospective sector. So I would also encourage you to go and look at the three-month and the one-month charts on this. I think the three-month, it's up like 36%. Uh, This has been wonderful. I've loved this stock since I've gotten into it, and I think you guys will like it too. 
Same thing goes for HBQ, though. I think you need to pay attention to when you get in on it, and I think you want to make sure that you don't get, excuse, excuse me, that you don't get in at a price that is too high. That way, you have too much space to overcompensate to get into profitability. So, that is Hewlett Packard Enterprise versus Hewlett Packard Corporate. We'll call it HPQ. Now, this last company that I'm going to talk to you about is easily by far one of my favorite buy hold companies right now its symbol is FCX and it is called Freeport MacMarin and what this company really does is they specialize in mining resources and when I say resources I mean heavy metals I mean gold I mean bronze I mean copper I mean all the things that are in such high demand today from you know making semiconductors to building bridges and roads the reason why I like this company so much on the long term is because what they're going to be doing pretty shortly, and it's already actually about to be signed into law, is that there's going to be a $1 trillion expansion and redevelopment uh, of America's infrastructure. It's already been announced by Trump. Now, the way that's going to be funded is $200 billion of it is going to be funded by taxpayer dollars from the government, and $800 billion of it is going to be privately sourced by different companies that want to get different contracts associated with building certain parts of it. So maybe Caterpillar will fork up $100 billion or something. You don't know. But they're, the idea is that they're going to grow more than they're going to spend by trying to you know get themselves through the door on this uh, infrastructure push. Now, where this makes Freeport MacMarin come, in, come into play is that they specialize in finding metals and materials that are in high demand, whether it's for making semiconductors or chips or things that go into your phones, your cars, they are the person that is going to have control over different mines. And they're a domestic company. They're in the United States and they're ba- and they're pretty cheap themselves. They're in the, uh, I think they're in the, uh, the later 20s. So, you know, 28, uh, 27. So they're a really strong and healthy company that I've been looking at. I've been in it for about six months now. Um, I love the company. I love what they do. I think that through the need for those materials to build bridges and build highways and build the things that are going to be needed for the future of America, I think that the proposition for the value proposition for this company is enormous because they're going to be the go-to person to get all that stuff. And with $1 trillion, I mean, there's more more than enough to go around, but if this company positions themselves in the way that I foresee them doing so in the next, you know, three to six months, they're going to be positioned greatly to benefit from supplying these manufacturers and these builders to with the supplies and the heavy metals that they need to profit and that they need to survive. So that's really important. I love FCX. I love Freeport MacMarin. That's a great company, and I think you guys will like it too. So you need to go check that one out. Uh, it's not as volatile. It doesn't have as much movement. So you might see in the graphing that you look at, it might look like a little bit of a mixed signal because this is something that I trade pretty actively. Um, when it goes up, when it goes up into the 5 6%, I take my 5 6%. When it pulls back 4 5%, I go in, ride that 4 5% up. So this is something that you would do really well with but it has to be something that's pretty actively managed you can't you can't just let this one do the uh the investing for you you got to be proactive on this you got to invest you know you got to you got to really 
put your bets on and say, this is something I believe in in the long term. And you could use my narrative for it, or you can do your own research and you can see for yourself how this company is poised pretty well, how all these companies I just talked about are poised really well to benefit in the future. So now that I've reached my new all-time high on 35 minutes, I just wanted to make some closing statements real quick, uh, really, really quick. We're going to be talking about cryptocurrency on to, and have that being introduced onto this podcast really, really soon, within the next week or so. And I'm going to bring some of the people that I know have made ridiculous returns in the cryptocurrency and I think are very influential and very you know good teachers and mentors who are people that have no real knowledge of it or people that have a preliminary knowledge but want to know how to get better involved in altcoins and the alt uh, the alt currency versus just a bitcoin or a litecoin or an ethereum this is how this is how you get really involved in the coins that make 20 percent 30 percent it's highly speculative but these guys are going to tell you how to know when you're going to be poised to make a lot of money and how you're going to be poised to make not a lot of money or have a higher risk but they're the they're the specialists on this much like i'm the specialist of what i talk about so i'm going to let them rather than do their job for them i'm going to let them talk to you guys about what they've been doing for themselves and then show you through what they've been doing how they have succeeded so much by doing you know the tactics and the strategies that they implement on their cryptocurrency you know uh picking and how they go about when to buy when to sell all that good stuff so that's going to be introduced really soon um i'll release the people that are going to be talking about it probably on my crypt uh on my crypto on my twitter page coming up here pretty soon but um as usual, I just always like to thank you guys for listening. I know 37 minutes is a long time to listen to someone, but like I said, these are such important concepts for people our age, people older than us, people you know who have a want and a desire to get involved in a way that they're serious about making money. I'm serious about making money. I'm serious about making you guys money too. So I want you guys to be passionate about this. I want you guys to be saying to yourselves, hell yeah, I want to get involved with this. He's exciting me, you know, I'm excited, and I want you to reach out to me and tell me what it is you guys want to do, and I will tell you guys exactly how you can, you know, start the, you know, whether it's baby steps or whether it's big, large leaps, we're going to get you from point A being where you are now to point B being where you want to be, and I promise you I will help you in every way that I can to help you accomplish doing just that. So, I, in order to help me help you... I encourage you guys to retweet this, like it, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your brother and sister, tell your cousin, tell your niece, tell your nephew, tell your uncle, tell your aunt, tell everybody that you know that you have somebody that can help you and help them make them a a heck of a lot of money. See, I almost slipped up there, but make them a heck of a lot of money. So go follow me on Twitter. You can find me at, you know, big at, Rockefeller Darv, that is R-O-K-A-F-E-L-L-A-D-A-R-V. Never forget that part. Go follow me on Twitter. Go read the stuff that I have been posting because it is oftentimes directly related to what it is I'm talking about in this podcast. I got a great song. I love the song that I'm going to be playing after this podcast, so please listen to that. That's going to that's gonna warm your guys' soul. And yeah, like I've been saying before, 
I want everyone to have a really great weekend. Go out and have fun. Go, go, go get some drinks. Go, you know, hang out with some friends. Hit the beach. Hit the city. Go do what makes you happy this weekend. And then come back Monday and check back with me for our Monday market outlook on the rest of the week. I'll have you guys lined up and I'll tell you what's hot this week, what's not hot this week. And we're, yeah, and we're ready. We're, I'm ready. You guys will be ready. And we're going to make a heck of a lot of money. So thank you guys. This has been a great, uh, this is Finance First Podcast brought to you by and for Agents of Fortune. That's you guys. I'm the Agent of Fortune. My name is Davis Fastanella. Thank you guys and have a great weekend.